No dog ever sits around and worries about whether it's fulfilling its purpose as a dog. Cows never have anxiety about whether they're a great cow or an average cow. But humans who lose all sense of purpose and meaning in life will become suicidal. We are hardwired to need a sense of progress in our purpose for existing. So how can you make progress in that purpose today? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. So that's selfish ambition. The next word, vain conceit. Conceit is pride. This is the attitude behind the lifestyle of selfish ambition. So the reason I'm out there campaigning is because I've got this attitude of, of conceit, pride. That's why I spend my energy trying to fulfill my desires without caring about your desires. Pride, self-importance. My desires, my agenda, my schedule is more important than everybody else's, and so I'm pursuing mine ahead of yours. God hates pride. He hates it. Proverbs 6, 16 and 17 lists seven things that God hates, and guess what number one on the list is? Haughty eyes. Pride. And James 5, 4 says God resists the proud. He resists the proud. That is, I mean, God against you. We position ourselves, when we're prideful, we position ourselves as an enemy of God. And this comes as a shock to the world. They think pride is a virtue. They think humility is a bad thing. It's pride is a good thing. Uh, the world has always loved pride. And that's only going to get worse as time goes on. You can see what this world likes. I mean, in this election cycle, you had at the beginning, remember the two front runners in the election at the very beginning? It was Trump and Carson. And, and I mean, you want, to, you want a, a, a contrast between humility and pride. That was about as stark as you're going to get in the political arena. And what did, what did the culture say? Uh, who went up and who went down? The culture said, wow, Carson, we love you. We really respect you. You're great. We're voting for Trump. I mean, that's what our world loves. They love pride. And it's going to get worse. For 2 Timothy 3.1, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. One of the worst things about the end times is self-esteem is going to take over. People are going to be lovers of themselves. This world is enamored with pride, but the very definition of a Christian is someone who is poor in spirit, Matthew 5, 3. First thing out of the hatch in the Sermon on the Mount. You enter the kingdom of God by humbling yourself. Nobody can become a Christian without humbling himself and bowing the knee, confessing his sins and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And after that, after we that initial humbling, we're called to a life of humility. Keep on making more and more progress of, in this whole goal of letting go of our pride. And Paul helps us here by reminding us that our pride is actually vain. He calls it not just conceit, but vain conceit. The word vain means empty. It's baseless. Our pride is so baseless. When we, we, when we get puffed up with self-importance, there's no foundation underneath that. It's irrational. There's no basis for us to be proud if you can imagine some random guy walks into a room, just some stranger walks into a room full of uh, people and, and just uh, just announces suddenly, um, I'm in charge. 
You know, and everybody's like looking at him like, what? who are you? What? And that's basically how most of us walk through life. We're just like, I'm important. Everybody? And we're just kind of how our attitude is. My opinions matter. My comfort, my preferences really, really matter. Why? There's no basis for thinking that. What makes my opinions or my preferences or my comfort matter? Nothing. Nothing. And so Paul says, nothing we do should ever be driven by these motives. What should drive our actions? So we saw the negative side, what shouldn't drive us. What should drive us? Humility, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, considering others better than yourselves. The opposite of pride is humility. Um, Now, understand what humility is. Humility is not putting yourself down. It's not self-deprecation. It's not self-loathing. The greatest example of humility ever is Jesus, and Jesus never put himself down. That is not what humility is. People who put themselves down all the time, who are they talking about all the time? Themselves. Who are they thinking about all the time? Themselves. That's pride. Okay, That's pride. That's not humility. Humility isn't putting yourself down. Humility is when you just stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about others. That's humility. Or to put it another way, pride is when you have a master mentality. Everyone around here exists to serve me. Humility is when you have a slave mentality. I exist to serve you. Pride is an attitude of entitlement. People, uh, proud people walk through life with an attitude, you owe me, everybody owes me, I've suffered a lot, and so you owe me, I, I, I have, uh, I've suffered more than you have, so you owe me, everybody owes me, and I'm perpetually angry because they're not paying up, right, this is what pride does, amazing how that attitude has taken over in our culture, I hear college students interviewed on TV about, about the election, and it's, it amazes me, without, any, without even being embarrassed, the primary criterion for their vote is who will take money from other people and give it to me? You know, And that's just it. And they're not even embarrassed about it. They want free college tuition. They want somebody else to pay off all their student loans. Other people should pay extra money in taxes and all the benefits should go to me because I'm me. There's, there's an entire political party built on, around promising, if you vote for us, we will take money from other people and give it to you. It's sad to see that take over our, in our culture. And, and yet, to one degree or another, we all do it, don't we? We're all guilty to some degree of that. We all walk around with some kind of a you-owe-me attitude, don't we? You owe me... A certain look on your face when I walk by you. Um, uh, don't frown when I expect you to smile. Right? You owe me a certain amount of friendliness. You owe me, I mean, the clerk in the store owes me good service. The people in my family owe me gratitude for all the stuff I do. The people on the highway owe me some courtesy. That is the opposite of humility. And I'm ashamed to say, it's me. Pray for your pastor that I might become less like that and more like Paul, who in Romans 1.14 said, I am obligated both to Greeks, non-Greeks, both to wise, foolish. Paul walked around with an attitude that says, I owe you. I owe everybody. 
It's a slave mentality. You don't owe me anything. I owe you everything. What would the church be like if everyone walked around with that attitude? I owe you. I owe you a payment on on what Romans 13 calls the continuing debt of love. I can't pay it off. Every time I see you, I need to make another payment on that debt of love. I owe you kindness. I owe you the word of God. I owe you the ministry of my spiritual gifts. I owe you, I owe it to you to rejoice when you're happy and to weep when you are sad. That's my goal, to, 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 to have that mentality. I want to be like Jesus who said in Luke twenty two twenty seven, I am among you as one who serves. That's humility. And so Paul says, in humility, consider others better than yourselves, or better translation, more important than yourselves. Jesus didn't consider us better than him. He considered our needs more important than his own glory. So, so we let go of pride, we let go of selfish ambition, we get rid of the master mentality, we stop thinking you owe me, and instead, with a humble servant's attitude, we consider others' needs and others' desires and opinions and preferences and welfare more important than my own. That's humility. So you go into a restaurant and you actually think, I want this server to have a good experience. You get a sales call at dinner time. And you actually have concern and compassion in your heart for a telemarketer who is at the point in his life where he has to take one of the most miserable jobs there is. And you have some compassion. What if you made it a habit? Every time you got on the highway, every time you got on an on-ramp to the highway, to spend the whole length of that on-ramp praying for that woman or man Uh, in the car who's going to end up right in front of you or behind you or beside you on the highway. Just pray. Just just say, God, um, let them have a a, a great day today, the rest of their day. Just just, just a really good time driving. And please, let something happen that would point them to Christ. What What effect would that have? You're driving home from work. You're going to interact with your family. You're tired. You tell me, how... How should you spend the last 10 minutes of that drive home in order to prepare your attitude so that when you walk in the door, you are all about your spouse's needs, your children's needs, uh, their interests ahead of your own? What kind of preparation would that take in that last 10 minutes of your drive home? Kids, on your way home from school. Spend time thinking, how can I make my brother or sister happy? How can I make my mom and dad happy the rest of the day? On your way to work, what is it like for someone to be my boss? What are the challenges of being my boss? How can I, what can I do today to reduce those challenges so that my boss has a great day today? Are you in a conflict with someone right now in your life? Maybe you're right in the middle of this, this fight, this conflict, this dispute, whatever, and, and maybe you're right and they're wrong. You're in the right, they're in the wrong. But even if that's the case, have you ever stopped to th- just think about what it's like for them to be in conflict with you? Are you making it easy or hard? 
for them to humble themselves and come to their senses and repent. This is one of those moments where, you know, you might be thinking, it's impossible, impossible. Go back to, where, where do we go? Back to verse 1, right? Back to verse 1. It sounds like too much to ask. Go back and hear Jesus' voice saying to you, have I ever been kind to you? Have, have you ever received encouragement from me, any grace from me at all? Then would you do this for me? We need that motivation because letting go of pride is so hard. Your life will be so much happier and more fulfilled if you adopt an attitude that looks at the people around you and says, I exist to serve you. When you think that way, you can always be happy because there are always opportunities to serve. If you have an attitude that says other people are supposed to serve you, you'll be unhappy most of the time because even the few people who cooperate with that will never get it quite right. So give it some thought right now. Over the next 24 hours, what are some opportunities to serve that might come up that you're likely to miss if you're not prepared ahead of time? What are some ways you could humble yourself and serve the people around you today that are a little different from the way you normally serve? And what are some ways you normally serve that you could continue today with a better attitude than you normally have? Father, if your glorious Son came into the world that he created and which he owns and said, I did not come into the world to be served, but to serve, surely it wouldn't require very much humility for me to adopt that same attitude. Make me a servant, Father. Show me how I could serve my family today and friends, the church, people at work, strangers and teach me to have the right attitude in my serving so I don't expect any thanks or anything in return from the people I serve but I put all my hope in the rewards you offer to the humble teach me to value greatness in your kingdom not in this world I am your servant give me discernment that I may understand your statutes in your unfailing love, teach me to love my enemies, to lay down my life for my friends, and to devote myself to expressing your kindness to everyone around me, for I am your servant. Teach me to do nothing out of campaigning or an empty pride, but to consider others more important than myself. Teach me to not only look to my own interests, but also to the interests of others. Show me how to care about what they want, what they're trying to accomplish. Make me like your son, who emptied himself, taking the very form of a slave. He humbled himself and became obedient to death. Therefore, you exalted him to the highest place. You save the humble but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. You guide the humble in what is right and teach us your way. To the arrogant you say, boast no more. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horns. Do not lift up your horns against heaven. Do not speak with an outstretched neck. No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt a man, but it is you 
who judges, you who brings one down, and you exalt another. You sustain the humble, but cast the wicked to the ground. For you take delight in your people, and you crown the humble with salvation. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.